Good morning. Good morning. It's good to see you guys. Good to be back. Uh, we spent a week in Honduras with the youth on a trip. Then we took a week off R&R. Then we came back. And then last weekend, I was able to kind of just sit and reflect and receive as a father with Pastor Shannon here speaking last weekend. It was a great weekend. The, the Foley launch was just incredible. 275 people on our first launch date. And I want to say thanks to, to the startup people. I want to welcome the Mobile Campus. Thanks, guys, for being with us, the Foley Campus, and all of you at Church Online. Thank you so much for being part of our weekend experience. And, and there's two things I want to mention real quick before I get into the message this weekend. Uh, I used to do this. It's been several years, but this fall in November, uh, I'll be taking a group to, no, to Israel for a tour. And this is a, um, a Holy Land tour. I'll be leading it myself. And, and a couple other people will be with me. And there are three ministries there that we support and we're involved in. A couple of those, we will be there and see the ministries and encounter that. So I, I encourage you, if you're interested in that, many have signed up, but I just want to, you'll hear more about it in the future. If you're interested, go on our website and you can, you can find out more details about that trip. Uh, it's about a 10-day trip. Everything's included in the price, so just, just check it out if you would. Secondly, I want to say how proud I am for all the people this weekend being water baptized. Uh, and, I, and I have to say a lot of men uh, are being baptized, and that really excites me. So uh, let, let's give all these guys, these people who were baptized, give them a big hand. Well, if you have your device or you have your Bible, you can turn to Judges chapter 11. I, I want to share you, with you a story before I, and, and I'm going to read the story before we get into um, the, the, the truth behind this story. This is kind of a hidden story in the Scriptures and so let, let, let's read the story, and then I'll kind of set up where I'm going with this. Okay, Judges 11, verse 1. Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty warrior. His father was Gilead. His mother was a prostitute. Gilead's wife also bore him sons. And when they were grown up, they drove Jephthah away. You're not going to get any inheritance in our family, they said, because you're the son of another woman. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and settled in the land of Tob, where a group of scoundrels gathered around him and followed him. Some time later, when the Ammonites were fighting against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to Jephthah and from the land of Tob. Come, they said, and be our commander so we can fight the Ammonites. Jephthah said to them, didn't you hate me? You, you, you drove me away from my father's house, and why do you come to me now when, we're, when you're in trouble? The elders of Gilead said to him, nevertheless, just look past that right now, we are turning to you now. Come with us to fight the Ammonites, and you will be the head over all of us who live in Gilead. Jephthah answered, Suppose you take me back to fight the Ammonites, and the Lord gives them to me. We're victorious. Will I really be your head? Will I really be your commander, your leader? And the elders of Gilead replied, The Lord is our witness. We will certainly do as you say. So Jephthah went to the elders of Gilead, and the people made him head and commander over them. So immediately he's promoted to be the commander. He goes back to his homeland. Drop down to verse 30. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. Here's what, he, here's what he made to the Lord. He said this, If you give the Ammonites into my hands, if we're victorious and we defeat the enemies of the Lord, whatever comes out the door of my house to meet me when I return in triumph from the Ammonites will be the Lord's, and I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. Then Jephthah went over to fight the Ammonites, and the Lord gave, him, gave them into his hands. He devastated 20 towns in Aurora to the vicinity of Meneth and as far as Abel, Kermith, and Israel subdued Ammon. When Jephthah returned to his home in Mitzvah, 
who should come out to meet him but his daughter, dancing to the sound of timbrels. She was only a child, except for her, he had neither son nor daughter, only child. When he saw her, he tore his clothes, he rent his clothes. This is an outward sign of, of, of uh, an expression of heartbreak and dismay. Oh, no, my daughter, you have brought me down. I'm devastated. I have made a vow to the Lord that I cannot break. Listen to this child. This child's 10 or 12 years old. My father, she replied, you have given your word to the Lord. Do to me just as you promised now that the Lord has avenged you of their enemies, the Ammonites. But grant me this one request, she said. Give me two months to roam the hills and weep with my friends because I will never marry. You may go, he said. And he let her go for two months. She and her friends went into the hills and wept, and she, and she would never marry. And after two months, she returned to her father, and he did to her as he had bowed, and she was a virgin. Now, I want you to give me your attention for the next few moments because I, I want to I talk about this thought, getting past your past. All of us have a past, and, a, and, and some of you have gotten past your past. Some of us haven't. Getting past your past. I, I think that all of us at times have to let some things go. And in this message, in this talk, I, I believe the Lord is going to identify some things in your life that he wants you to let go, and he's going to help you let go of certain things in your life. You see, there's all kinds of factors that influence who we are. There are factors that shape our lives, they, they shape our approach to life. But one of the greatest factors that affects who we are and, and shapes your outlook of life is, 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 is your past. And we all have a past. Everybody has a past. So I want to submit to you that one of the most dangerous, the most disastrous relationships you can have is an unhealthy relationship with your past. And so many people have allowed their past, the pain of their past, the problems in their past to define and even eclipse their life and their future. So th this is one of the main reasons that, that in the Old Testament that God, I'll give you an example of this, God goes to Joshua uh, Moses has died, and he gives Joshua the baton to take the children of Israel into Egypt. And so he goes to him, and, and he says to him in Joshua 1.1, you don't have to turn there, but it says, after the death of Moses, God spoke to Joshua and said, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, Jude tells us that God buried Moses, but God is real quick to tell the new leader of Israel that Moses is dead. And here's why God said this to Joshua, because God understands that if you hold on too dearly to your past, you'll miss the very things God wants you to do in your present and in your future. See, Joshua was mentored and grew up with, with Moses. So you, you got to let that go. Moses is gone. This is you. And, and I believe there are those who are listening to me, and I believe those th this weekend that this is a critical time in your life. I, I know from the services we've already had this weekend that this is a true statement. There are those, this is a critical time in your life. And one of the most important things that God would want you to hear in this talk is that you got to let some things go. You've got to release your past in order to embrace your future. Now, here's what I want to do out of this story. I, there's more than this, but I'm going to pick three reasons why this story is important to us, okay? And in all of those, in those three reasons, I'm going to make a statement about that reason in reference to Jephthah, and then I'll break that down. So let me do it this way. Here, here's the first reason this is important. Number one, your past does not determine your destiny. The most important thing I want you to understand as we get into this message, your past does not define you. Your, your past has impacted you, and your past, you know, it, 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 
you can't let it dictate you in your present, and it can't determine your future. What's interesting in this story about Jephthah is this obscure man in the Old Testament. See, there's not a lot of teaching about Jephthah. There are no Jephthah conferences and all that. But Jephthah is a man that, depend, that, that demands our attention from the Scriptures, and, and here's why. Jephthah is the son of a distinguished man, Gilead. Gilead was a highly distinguished man, but his, his, his mother is a prostitute. And so in a moment of weakness and terrible judgment, his father Gilead visited a prostitute, and in that illicit relationship, Jephthah was born. So I want to point out in this message to you the pain of Jephthah's past and some of the problematic areas of his past. And the Bible says that Jephthah's brothers come, and they drove him out, kicked him out of the house, out of the lineage of the home, uh, and, and, and said, you're not even going to stay in the city. You can't hang around us anymore. You don't deserve to be part of our family. Now, let me make this statement. Jephthah was driven away for several reasons. I'm going to show you four. Here's the first reason he was dri driven away. By his family. He was a disturbing reminder. Everything that, every time they walk through the house, every time they sit down to dinner, they're reminded of the, of the messiness of their father's morals. And they didn't like Jephthah because he was a disturbing reminder of the mistakes their father made. You see, this, this is why that's important, because sometimes people will mishandle you emotionally, and mistakes are made that will impact your life, not because you've done anything wrong, but, but simply because you remind people of things in their past. So he's driven away. The second reason he's driven away, he was a different race. Probably because prostitution is outside of the Mosaic law, many scholars think that this his mother, this prostitute, was a different ethnic background, a different race. So Jephthah has to deal with the burden of not looking like his other brothers. Not only does he have to carry the, the, the stigma of being a, a, a child of, of a prostitute, but he, he, they, he probably looked different, and he came, his mother came from a different ethnic background. So they kick him out, and, and it's disturbing because he, 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 here he is trying to be a son and live his life, but he has both of these things going against him. Let, and let me fast forward to next weekend when I get into the series, I Heart My Church. What, what I love about our church is this, that we are intentional about all of us coming together and all of us being part of God's body. Because regardless of race or background or socioeconomic status, we're all God's children. D did you hear me? We're all God's children. You, you realize if you make it to heaven, there's going to be a whole lot of races of people up there. You know? And if you've got problems here, I think God's going to put you right next door, sandwiched between two of them. And if you have a problem with here and you don't get over it, you deserve it if you get there. But outside of church, unfortunately, we live in a world where sometimes people would judge you not on the content of your character, but unfortunately on the color of your skin. So he's driven away because of his race. Number three, they're afraid that he would be a disgraceful representation. He's the oldest and so they're afraid of the leadership of the family. He should step in and lead the family, and that would fall on him, but he would be a dreadful representation because their family's supposed to look like this and be like that. See, sometimes people will mishandle your heart. Sometimes people will mishandle you simply because you're different, and you haven't had the same experience as the rest of the family. Fourthly, he's driven away because they're scared he's going to be a disastrous replica. Their fear was if we allow you to lead us, What's stopping you from making the same mistake that our dad made? 
Sometimes individuals make decisions that affect us and they hurt us and even disappoint us. Simply, you were in the line of an individual who set a bad example. In other words, this is not Jephthah's fault. Not at all. None of this is his fault. And some of the negative things that have happened to you in your past, you need to know, and you do know, but you need to be reminded. It's not your fault, and God knows that. But sometimes the greater question is not whose fault is it, but the greater question is who, how's God going to get glory out of this? In verse 1, it said that Jephthah was a mighty warrior. Watch how God gets glory out of this. Verse 1 says Jephthah's a mighty warrior. And what's interesting is that this is not an, a, an external proclamation. It's more of an internal manifestation. In other words, if you look at the Scriptures, you'll find Jephthah had never fought a war before. He'd never gone into battle before. He wasn't trained to be in military. He, until, he doesn't go into war until after the encounter with the brothers where he goes back and he fights the Ammonites. So when we're introduced to Jephthah, he's a mighty warrior, but he's never gone to battle. So how in the world is he a mighty warrior if he's never gone into battle until after we're introduced to him? The Bible says he's a mighty warrior, but it's not talking about external battles that he fought. It's referring to internal battles that he had to deal with in his own life because sometimes the battles that you and I fight in our lives, are, are, are the, the, the greatest wars are not the wars that are raging on the outside, but rather the wars that are raging on the inside. So here's a man, Jephthah, who has a heritage, who has a lineage, who has a family, who has a father, and he has a mother, but, but because of the circumstances that he, it's not his fault, he has to deal with this on the inside. So in other words, Jephthah had the courage to move on despite all of the issues in his past. My question to you, because we have issues in our past, we have issues from families, from fathers, from mothers. We have issues of, of former marriages. We have issues from former relationships and, and, and people and work and, and all of these things. Do you have the courage to move on past your issues? Because people let him down, but he moved on. People will let you down, but can you move on? People disappointed him, but he moved on. But people kicked him to the curb and, 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 and threw him out. He had to leave, but the Bible calls him a mighty warrior. Let me give you the definition scripturally of what a mighty warrior is. It's, it defines somebody that can go through a difficulty but keeps on moving. They're going through a difficult time, but they keep on moving. A warrior is defined by somebody who doesn't allow their past to affect their future. Because winds are going to blow. Storms are going to come. Seasons are going to change. But are you going to keep on moving? So point one is the past can't detour you from your destiny. Here's point two. People can't detour you from your destiny. No matter how difficult the situations are, no matter how hard-headed, mean, and cruel people are, please understand that people cannot stop what God has for you. And, and most of us should say, thank you, Jesus. I, I'm so glad that people can't stop what God has. Every now and then, you run into difficult people. Anybody here ever, ever had to deal with difficult people? I've ne as a pastor, I've never had to deal with difficult people. <laughs> God, forgive me for lying. <laughs> No, but, but here's the thing that you have to understand about dealing with difficult people. And I, and I learned this the hard way. When you deal with unreasonable, hard-headed people, they cannot stop what God has for you. So w w watch. The brothers kick him out. He's, he's, he has to leave the family, the home, everything. And they send him to a land named Tob. They thought Tob would break him down. But God ordained it to be that Tob wouldn't break him down, but Tob's going to bless him. So here's what Tob was. Tob was a prison colony. Just like in, in the scriptures, it has a leper colony. If you have leprosy, you go there. There they had a few jails, but they didn't have a prison system. They had colonies. 
So if you were a thief or a murderer or a manslaughter or whatever and you were found guilty, you had to go live in this settlement, in this colony of that day. And Tob, there was nothing there but murderers and thieves and outlaws. One translation says it's a band of wild men. Those are the kind of people that live in Tob. But his brothers thought, hey, we're, we're, we're going to get rid of him, not just kick him out, but we're going to put him in a situation. We're going to put him in a place that's going to totally mess him up, destroy him. He'll be out of our lives forever. We're going to send you to Tob to be broken, but God ordained it to bless him. So here, here's my statement. The land of Tob blessed Jephthah three ways. Watch. Number one, it blessed him personally. Jephthah was to be the next judge of Israel because of his father he's the eldest son but watch now i've been talking about the brothers in this i'm, I'm talking about jephthah now the the challenge in jephthah's life is that he can't embrace what god had for him because he's so enamored by the acceptance of his brothers he can't pay attention to what god has for his life because he wants the the acceptance of his brothers that hate him so instead of pursuing god's purpose for his life he allows his destiny and his identity and his future to be defined by his brothers. What did they do? They kicked him out. He had to go live in this horrible place. Sometimes the greatest thing God can do is rearrange situations in our lives, rearrange circumstances in our lives, and even rearrange people in our lives because God knows unless we are removed from individuals who we place our identity in their hands, we will never embrace the purpose God has for us. Some of us don't even realize that the greatest thing God has ever done in your life was, and maybe even recently, was to start rearranging uh, situations or rearranging pieces of, of people, groups in your, fa in, in your life. Because God has a greater purpose for you, and you can't allow your future to rest on whether or not people approve you. You can't allow your future to rest on whether or not people like you or pull you into their circle or you fit into that category or that circle. God has something bigger and better for you. So if he has to remove some people from your life so you will focus on him and less on them, God says, I'll do it. So Tob blessed him. Second, here's the second way Tob blessed him. Tob blessed him because he connected with the right people. He goes to this horrible place, but he connects with the right people. He finds his wife. He, he starts a family. It's amazing how God will bless you in the places you least expect it. But here's what we have to learn. We have to learn to connect with people that are associated with your purpose and not necessarily your type. Now, I'm going to ask your forgiveness on something because I'm going to say something that I need you to forgive me for before I say it. Okay? Because you need to learn to connect with people that are associated with your purpose and not necessarily your type. Your type may be tall, dark, and handsome, but maybe your, maybe your purpose is short, fat, and ugly. <laughs> You've got to learn how to connect with people that are aligned with your purpose, not your type. Here's what that means. You need to learn to love those who love you and stop whining and fussing about the people that you want to embrace you. Sometimes the people we want to embrace us are not the people God purposed to be in our lives. So Tob blessed him personally, and, 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 and Tob blessed him because God put the right people around him. And here's the third thing Tob did. It blessed him providentially. Now watch this. Providentially. His brothers thought Tob was going to break him, kicking you out of the place, out of the family, out of the home. You're out of here. You're going to go to Tob. But God providentially. Here, here's what that means. It means that God always takes what the enemy means for our bad and turns it around and uses it for our good. That, that should be, thank you, Lord. That's what we should say there. And, and, and there's a scripture, and I'm so thankful for the scripture that says, all things work for the good 
to those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. They thought it's going to break him, get rid of him. It blessed him providentially. Here's why. In the Hebrew, the word tob, here's what it literally means. It means good. They sent him to good. When the Bible says he settled in the land of Tob, it's literally saying he settled in the land of good. On the surface, it might look like it's a messed up situation. And who wants to live in a prison colony? It looks like it's a messed up situation. On the surface, it might have looked like a situation that was undesirable. But beneath the surface, and listen, we can't see beneath the surface most of the time. That's where you have to trust in the Lord. But beneath the surface, God says, I know exactly where I'm going to take you in your life. I have good for you. I have a place called good. God says, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to put you in a place that may not be attractive, but it will grow you. If you're always dependent on everyone else's approval and affirmation from all these people groups outside, you're not going to grow unless the people accept you and the people pat you on the back and you feel accepted from them. God says, no, I want you to grow so that you're accepted and you know who you are in me. It's a place that's purposeful and it's ready for you and it's ready for you to birth what you have in you. So he goes to this place so what's in him can be birthed because he's supposed to be a judge of Israel. It's the place that God providentially puts in us because it's a good place. The next time you see people that spoke doom and gloom to you or were negative to you and say well that marriage will never work that job that career you're going to start that business you're going to do this those people that were negative and saying the things they said i want you to go up to them and smile and then shake their hand and say thank you because i know you thought i was in a place that was going to break me but god was sending me in a place that was going to bless me because sometimes God does his greatest work in the most unusual ways. Sometimes what we perceive to be a messed up situation is the perfect situation for God to do what he wants to do in our lives. So let me recap. Number one, your past doesn't determine your destiny. Number two, people can't detour you from your destiny. Here's the third part. This is the most important part. I want you to capture this. This is just it's just a profound truth in the scripture. You're going to see something turn in a minute. So watch this. Number three. Failure to let go of your past will destroy your destiny. I know people struggle with their past. I hear it all the time. I, I hear people say, you know, about a family member or a friend or a business partner, you know, all these things. They, it, it's interesting that Jephthah is doing well in Tob. He's married, he has a child, he has friends. The brothers come back into his life. Hey, why? He says, why are you coming back? It's interesting when people don't want you at one point and then they come back when you're, when you're they say, oh yeah, I knew you had it in you the whole time. Liar, liar, pants on fire. When the brothers came roaring back into Jephthah's life, what they bring is all the pain that they represented. He's gone, he's transitioned, he's got his family, he's got his home. Now here comes pain back. You see, they didn't come back to congratulate Jephthah that he was doing well and had a family or to visit. They came back because they needed him. Be careful when people come into your life, or not for who you are, but what they can get from you. So the brothers come back and they say, would you come and lead us and be our commander? And, and the real test, whether you trust where God is leading you or whether you trust the people God's put in you, is when, God, when, when the people from your past start coming back into your life. Are you going to fall back to them or are you going to stick with God? How you handle people from your past says a lot about your trusting how God is leading you and the people he has put around you. But Jephthah is faced with a difficult decision because his brothers ask him to come back and lead them. 
Now, here's what's so interesting. Jephthah desires the approval of his brothers. That's what he's longing for. And then he even says, hey, wait a minute. You're, you're telling me that if I go with you, I'll be made commander? Yes. Well, I didn't think you liked me. I thought you hated me. Oh, don't worry about that. Nevertheless, oh, no, 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 no. We'll, we'll make you commander right now. And they did. Before the war, they make him commander. And he goes back, and he wants their approval so bad that he makes this rash vow before God. Let me read it again. God, if you make me victorious, if you make me a victorious leader and take out this enemy called the Ammonites, the first thing that comes out of my house, I'll sacrifice to you. The Bible says God allows him to be victorious, and he comes back, and guess who comes out of his house? His daughter, his only child, skipping and singing and celebrating. Dad, we're so proud of you. The enemy's defeated. Dad, you're the hero, your leader. And the Bible says he tears his clothes. It's an outward sign of grief and pain and agony. He rents his clothes because he recognizes that he has destroyed his future and that there was some lingering stuff in his past that made him make this rash vow. Watch. If you have things in your past that are still lingering and holding on, then you make rash vows about things. I've had kids as a children's pastor, a youth pastor say, I'll, I'll never be divorced because my parents did this, and I, I'll never do this because of this, and they're making rash vows. So that's exactly what he did. He makes this rash vow, and it's going to destroy his future. And so to the end, to where now he's on the verge of having to sacrifice the right people. So here's my statement. Jephthah wanted the approval of the wrong people so bad that he's willing to sacrifice the right people. God has right people in your life. You're, you're going to see this daughter in just a minute, how she's so right in this situation. God puts the right people in your life and don't sacrifice them because you want the approval of the wrong people. So here, here, here's what I want to say about that statement. Number one, I want to submit to you that nobody else has to die. Because Jesus was willing to die, nobody else has to be sacrificed. Your family doesn't have to be sacrificed. Your marriage doesn't have to be sacrificed. Your children don't have to be sacrificed. Your dreams don't have to be sacrificed. Your career, your job, it doesn't have to be sacrificed. None of that has to be sacrificed. My question for you to ask yourself internally is, how many of you are in Jephthah's shoes? The question is, are you in Jephthah's shoes? Because if you are, you need to make sure that, that you, you, got, you got stuff in your past. You need to let it go. Because not, not that you hold on to those, don't hold on to those who rejected you and don't hold on to the approval of that group. Man, if I could get in that group, if those people will approve me. Because when you hold on to your past, you sacrifice the good stuff in your future. God sent him to a place called good. But what was in his house was his future. He sacrificed the future of the good because of the opinion and the affirmation of the brothers who hated and despised him. Point two, his daughter ends up, he, he, his daughter he ends up sacrificing. Daughters in the Old Testament, here's, what, here's the picture of a daughter. Here is the shadow and the typing. It, it, daughters represent future. Children in the Old Testament mean the promise of brand new days and new opportunities. See, immediately we're looking at, oh my God, that's flesh and blood. Yeah, and that is a, that's a whole other story, another sermon on that part. That, that's, I, I can't even uh, fathom that what this guy had to do and why he did it. But if I look at the significance of this type, that, that children mean the promise of a brand new day, that this daughter represents his future, 
He wanted the approval of his brothers. And, and listen, when I say brothers, it doesn't have to be blood brother. It can be a brother in the Lord. It can be a sister in the Lord. He wanted the approval of his brother. He wanted the approval of people so desperately that he is willing to sacrifice his future on the altar. He sacrifices on the altar of trying to please the wrong people the future that he has. Listen, that's how strong the past can hold on to you. It can get you to a place that you make rash vows, rash decisions, and you do things, and you're not seeing clearly what the Lord's trying to say. You're, you see, your past doesn't determine your destiny. Somebody needed to tell Jephthah that, hey, listen, your past isn't determining your destiny. It's not your fault. Your father did this, and your brothers did that, and, and, and your mother can't help that she was this or that. You know, but, but, but he didn't hear that. Somebody could have said to him, hey, Jephthah, people can't detour you from your destiny but he didn't hear that why because he's so enamored with the acceptance of a certain people group listen to me before i get to the last part of this the, the reason i felt like inserting this standalone message before i start the series i heart my church is here's why everybody has a church story if you wanted to do a reality show that would go off the charts is get the church people and do reality about some of the hurts and the pains and the disappointments and the lies and, the, and, and all of the things that have happened in church, from pastors all the way down to members to friends to this and that. It's all over. I, I cannot tell you. Everybody who's been in church has a church story. But if you put them on a reality show, the only people that could relate to them are people in church because the world wouldn't understand a thing you're saying. Make no sense to them. So what am I saying? Here's what I'm saying. We are the church if you're a believer, you're the church. The church is not this building. church is not a domination. The church is not a community church. The church is the body of Christ and you're a believer. If the body of Christ as believers, if we do not know what our future is and we're hung up in the past of being hurt and neglected and abused and lied to or whatever's happened, then what are we doing? We end up most of the time trying to compromise and find a place that we just fit in. Everybody loves us, and we're so enamored with that, that we forget that God has a purpose for your life, and no mistake by a man or any organization can stop God's purpose in your life. So the snare of the enemy is to get you to focus on the past. Are you all okay? I needed to get rid of this, so I, next week I can you know, feel good about it. So watch, your past doesn't determine your destiny, and people can't deter you from your destiny. And, and, and then what I was just talking about, though, is, is that he, he wants to prove the wrong people, so he's willing to sacrifice the right people. Nobody else has to die, and then, and then his, he ends up sacrificing his daughter. Daughter represents the future. Here's the third. Get past your past, or it will derail what God has for you. That's a strong statement. Get past your past, or it will derail what God has for you. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. You are not a mistake. We've all made mistakes. And, and, and listen, to think that Christians or church are, is perfect, that's Disney, okay? It, it, it doesn't work that way. We're human. We've made mistakes. We have a past. People have hurt you, abused you. All, all this past, don't let, it, don't, 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 don't let it hold on to you. Because if it does, it clouds your decision-making. And you make decisions based on the wrong information that's going on inside here. God is the only one who can help you get past this. 
I had someone come up to me in one of the services and, and, and almost in tears saying, I have so much hurt and pain from the past, from church, and I don't even know where to start. I don't even know how to pray about this. What do I do? How do I do it? And here's, here's the person whose life is off track, hadn't been in church in a long time because they're, listen, God is the only one who can take care of this. He's the only one that can identify what's hanging you up from your past. And I don't know if you're like me, but I, I, I don't like to think about the past. I don't like to think about the mistakes, the failures. But if I hadn't, if, if I'm still holding on to that, if it still has a hook in me, it's going to, it's going to cloud my decision-making. It's going to make me look at things improperly and unhealthy. So you've got to get past your past or it will derail what God has for you. He has a purpose and a plan for you. Here's how I want to end this service. It's a little different. First of all, I don't want you to leave the room for the next few minutes because I want, this is the most important part of the, of the service. The worship is good and the preaching is good, but this, this part, the clo- this is the most important part. This is like uh, you getting up and leaving a movie right before the, the, the ending of the movie and you don't know what happened, you know? So, so I, I don't want you to leave. I want you to respectfully stay there. And the second thing I want you to do is I, want you to, I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Because I had a feeling that this word was for a lot of people, and, and it's already been confirmed through every service. But, but, but I want to say this to you. I, I don't want you to be ashamed. I don't want you to be nervous. If you're here or if you're watching me and you say, Pastor, I, I, I think I am in Jephthah's shoes. I think I am wrestling with some things in my past. You see, from this story, God has identified and and brought to light some things that maybe you're still wrestling with. And if you are, I I want you to be honest. Nobody's looking. Mobile campus, Foley campus, everybody. I want you to be honest. And you say, Pastor, I'm still wrestling with some things in my life. I may be in Jephthah's shoes. I want you to pray for me. Hold your hand up. Raise your hand. Be honest. Come on, be honest. Thank you. See, in in every service, this has been about 30, 35% people raising their hands. People who are still having things in the past they can't get past. I want to pray for you. And in a moment at the end, there'll be a group of people who want to pray with you. But sometimes you can't do it yourself. Just like the lady who didn't know what to do. She can't do it by her. She needs somebody to help and pray with her because she's so hurt and so bruised from the pain. So I, I, somebody will be here to pray for you in just a minute, but I want to pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for allowing me to share this word. I, I thank you for those who have received it. I thank you for every hand that was raised. But Lord, in this moment of this service, we acknowledge it's so easy for us, Lord, to want approval or acceptance of some people or even some things in our past. But we thank you that our future is better than our past. So, Lord, we're not going to look back and rehearse what we could have done or should have done, but we're going to look boldly to you because you are the author and the finisher of our faith. Father, I ask you to raise up in us strength and fortitude to not spend unnecessary time on our past because, Lord, you've released us from our past. You've forgiven us of our sins. But, Lord, let us focus on today and tomorrow 
the future, opportunities in front of us, plans, you know, that you have for us. Because, Lord, you told us in your word that you know the plans you have for us. And your plans that you have for us are to prosper us and plans to give us a hope and a future. So, Lord, I ask you to break the burden of the past off the lives of every Jephthah that raised their hands. And even as this service ends, may the weight and the yoke of the past be lifted off. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.